You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, which also now includes Spotify, I found out. You said you, you submitted it and I had no idea. I did. So that's what's fall. I think that was back in November, maybe. The Discord channel, the uh, unofficial Untapped Discord channel that ties back to our subreddit i believe <laughs> the folks over there recommended that we submit the podcast to spotify and uh, a couple weeks later going through their process we're on spotify now so i guess if you use what like smart speakers um the 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 forbidden amazon in, in a tube uh, thing and uh google and, and all those services you can just ask to play the latest episode of the podcast if you're already signed in to your Spotify It's pretty cool to see. I, I don't ever use Spotify for podcasts, nor do I even think to use it for it. I know a lot of people, I think, are starting to, but um, it's going it, to, it was just cool to see it. So They have their own original content, which I think is the the most wild part that they're actually investing time, not in, not only into like I mean, musical artists coming in and doing their uh, Death Cab for Cutie, you know, sp- uh, Spotify. Spotify sessions. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, I guess they have studios of some sort that they're paying folks to come and put their show on well and the all the whole um i Heart media conglomerate they started doing their own shows mm-hmm. um the the ron burgundy podcast they keep they've been flaunting that one on all their radio networks <laughs> which i have not heard yet but, but i can see, only that's, imagine ah, that's the thing though with like terrestrial radio and podcasts they use those typically for like hey tune into the show later if you miss it in the morning yeah yeah or like, you know you, you're driving into work and your commute's only one hour long go listen to the other four hours of you know the <laughs> yes. kyle and tim morning show yeah uh to, to get your get your goofs on i guess uh but you could also listen to this podcast in brazil that's the best that's I mean, the best thing I can do for a segue. Yeah, yes. sorry. No, I mean you can listen to it anywhere. So you're not Space. you're you not can, wrong. The, the final frontier Brazil, the final Brazil. frontier. <laughs> Speaking of which, this week we are actually uh we're heading down to Brazil. A little while back a listener named Brian reached out, I believe to you Kyle, mm-hmm. um about potentially sending us something pretty awesome. Uh he had actually taken a trip to Brazil. And as all good beer lovers do, he brought back a few things, which he very graciously sent us. Uh, here's a little bit from the letter that was actually included in um, with the shipment. So he's originally uh, U.S.-based from the Michigan area, because it does mention he's about three hours away from Founders. Uh, he ended up taking a trip down to Brazil and uh, wanted to go check out some breweries. Brian did a little bit of research uh, before he went down there and found out that he was uh, near one of the breweries, uh, Cer- Cerveceria Nacional. It was about 20 minutes from his hotel, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it there. So he ended up finding a bar. It was called Ambar Cervejas Artisanas, uh, and it was a little bit closer to his hotel. So he headed over there. His letter here says, keep in mind, I know very little Portuguese other than typical traveler phrases. Same. Uh, I don't I don't I can't even do that. So <laughs> so I walked into Ambar. The first thing I asked was who spoke English. After some screwing around, Fabio came over to help me. Turns out that they were celebrating their second annual International Beer Week, which meant that I was 6,000 miles from home seeing Founders on Tap, which ironically is about three hours from my home. (laughs) I love that. Wow. Uh, I ended up finding a kindred spirit that worked there whose name is Lewis. 
Uh, we talked for a long time about the craft beer scene. It turns out Fabio was actually the owner and they had a huge cooler with beers from all over the world. Luis suggested a few from Everbrew, uh, which is his favorite craft brewery. When I return to Brazil, I am going to be bringing more Everbrew home with me. Uh, what I've included for you from Embar. So I've got, we've got two beers here. Um, we're going to start really quick. I'm going to read about it, and I'll go into the details that we have in our notes. But first one here, he lists is the uh, Ambar Ale, which is a locally brewed beer for Ambar, which is that bar. Uh, it is classified as a red ale, though it is surprisingly complex. It was on tap, so I took a chance and got a crowler. Hopefully it survived. Now, I didn't realize that when we first got this. That this is actually a crowler, not a – like a um, – no, a production it, it, right, can. Right, right, right. And I it, didn't realize that the Ambar here is actually the bar. And this is a special beer that they had brewed for it. So this is basically a 12-ounce. This is this is a 12-ounce uh, crawler. I'm, I've never seen a 12-ounce crawler before, but it makes sense that it would exist, I'm right? blown away. That is great. Br- bring that here, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> he says, hopefully it survived, which it looks like it did. And we'll find out in a minute here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one here is Everkings. He says he never tried it, but was one of Luis's uh, favorite hazy IPAs from Everbrew. The can designs are very similar with the skull motif. So it's mm-hmm. got this really cool rad like king knight skull thing going on. I would have definitely worn that as a T-shirt in high school. <laughs> Back like, in uh, your metal uh, days. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, so let's see. He ended up making it to the brewery. Um, but he sent these over and uh, there were a few other things too, from, uh, his neck of the woods here in the States that we haven't gotten to yet, but it's just, it's awesome to see a, like these beers came from Brazil and now are in our hands via one of our listeners. So Brian, huge, huge, thank you for sending these over and sorry it took so long to finally get to them. We've got, got quite the backlog of, uh, Things to get to, yeah. Yeah, the brew backlog, if you would. Got to get to those. But yes, thank you so, so much. I know we had some weird issues trying to get this delivered to the office in downtown L.A. here. They just wouldn't, for some reason, just would not deliver to them. What sweet are you in? I don't know. It was a heck of a time. Emails going back and forth, calling people. But finally got them i am super excited to try these yes i i am too uh the first, so we're going to start with this uh, the ambar ale so it is um specifically brewed for the bar um it is a collaboration with cerveceria satellite so that would be the brewery that does it um, we have it classified as a red ale american amber slash red it is 5.5 percent abv and it is 30 ibu uh let's see there is a description uh, so this is a translation from our app uh, the description uh, was in Portuguese, and I ran it through a translator here. Uh, American Amber Ale commemorating one year of the Ambar beer special. Dry hop with citra hops. Yeah, and we also show the uh, translated version of the beer description on that beer page on the Untapped app. So if you scroll, if you search for the beer and scroll down, uh, you can hit the C translation button, and that does an okay job it, it's basically just you know machined learning the translation and shooting something back to you uh so so don't blame us if it is incorrectly translated <laughs> that is that is absolutely not within our control unfortunately but uh it is helpful you can kind of get an, an overall feel for it commemorative of one year of the ambar special beers yeah so pretty great yes indeed 
and also, so this also only has 126 total check-ins, which is pretty cool. Looks like it's only been available since uh, February of last year. Granted, it might not even exist anymore because it seems like it was a special beer. One of the coolest parts of this, though, is that if we set this as the purchase location, we're about to get a local badge from Brazil. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> like, this, is, this is probably the first time in a long time I've been excited about a, like a, just a, earning a, just a totally random badge yeah. off of Untapped. Yeah. I, I know it can be like you get kind of saturated with badges sometimes and you can kind of like, oh, I'm learning, uh, earning this one over and over and over again. Middle of the road again. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. These local badges and to have one that is directly from Brazil because it's a verified venue in Brazil is just that's wild. So the the odds that this would happen, just incredible, incredible. It's absolutely small, incredible. The, the small beer community, the small world within the giant beer community. Yep. All right. Let's crack this open and see how it held, held up. Oh, yeah. Still has plenty of carbonation in there. Oh, that looks good. That's. That looks real good. It's, I know it's ambar ale, but it, it definitely looks like a brown ale or an amber ale. Um, well, it's classified as an amber ale. Right. Uh, ambar. Wordplay. Yeah. Nice kind of like thick. Uh, thick foamy head foamy, up there. Foamy, rocky yeah. head. Yeah. Very nice. Sweetness, caramel, bready. But a little bit of like citra, right? Yeah, like lots a, of citra. I'm getting lots of citrus off of that, which it does... Um, it does mention in the notes uh, from Brian that it, it's classified as, but surprisingly complex. Yeah. So it's, I, I read it somewhere about it. That oh, there's my a gosh. Bit. Oh, your reaction. You already went for it. That's so good. Are you kidding? You know what it reminds me of? is kind of like a Flanders red a bit. Like, oh, weird. Sour and oh. tart. And, uh, but, you know, kind of, it's got a, a tiny bit of that hot bitterness on the finish. It's that thing where you're like, okay, did this hold? Is that what it? And now I'm kind of curious. Like, is this what it would have been like, fresh off the tap? Yeah, because I'm kind of curious. The can, I mean, the can was perfectly sealed. I can't imagine there was anything that got in there to funk it up. So if this is actually but it's funky in the the best kind of way, yeah, if it, this is the right. I mean, even if this is how it's supposed to be, or even if it's an accident, it's pretty freaking cool. It's definitely it has the amber sort of citrus or like. It has the aroma of an amber ale, but with a little bit of a citrus sweet thing going on. And mm-hmm. then as far as the flavor goes, it's got some sort of a little complex like zing going on in there. Yes. It's uh, – I would say – and you said 5% ABV? 5.5. Uh, 5. I would have gone like 7 or 8 oh, wow. with it just because it, it definitely has more of a like saison type taste to it. Um, the carbonation gives me the saison feel. Right. Yeah. It's very bubbly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting. I think complex is the right word for it. It's, I know we kind of blow a lot of smoke about beer here, but uh, this is one of those where I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know how to classify this. I would have never guessed that it was uh, like an amber ale. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like somebody took an amber ale and I don't know, just just went in a little wild with it. The the hoppiness on the end, you get the little bit of like the lingering bitterness that's probably coming from like the the hop side. Mm-hmm. Um and the, 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 more on the citra 
right? Like well, the, the very uh, bright citrusy. And I'm sure the dry hopping there with the citrus is what's leading to a lot of that citrus aroma. I really can't say much more than I just I really like this. Like I'm now now I'm kind of sad that it's 12 ounces. You can have the rest. I <laughs> 32. Go 32 with a crowler. Go 64. Right. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of nifty seeing a small crawler. I, I love the idea. Um, I am also curious about how they, you know, put that together. They probably, I don't know, maybe canned it by hand. Well, either, I mean, through a, through a machine, I would, a crawler machine is the same damn thing. And just, you yeah. know, no, just no, put no, a smaller no. format. I, it, uh, yeah. It's interesting though. Like, yeah. Do, do they, do they have, how do they handle it? Yeah. They got, well, there's a little dent here. It looks like potentially a machine maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Slap the label on it right on there. Yeah. Great, great branding. Oh, I, yeah. It's very cool. It, I could see this being sold in downtown L.A. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow. Like yeah. it's It's got sort of that look to it. I think the funny part, too, is like their logo there in the back is a glass crowler. And here we are drinking out of a 12 ounce like aluminum can crowler. Yeah. I do like the color. Yeah. A lot. The um, color of this is really interesting because it's, it's right on that amber red, but kind of like a little little. Um, a more, I want to say caramelly. Yeah. Well, it's probably, I mean, all the color is probably coming from the malts. Um, but I don't, I got a tiny bit of like caramelness or roastiness from the nose, but I taste next to none. Um, it's all kind of, I don't know, earthy, funky, and hoppy. <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit tart. I mean, I like all of those, uh, all those. So it's perfect. It's really interesting. Like I, when you don't drink it for a little bit, on first sip, you get a lot of sweetness as well. And then it kind of rounds out with the bitterness. Yeah, the that's end. that's exactly what I was I was getting. You that get kind of like you kind of like sweet, a little funky, yeah, and then follow it up there with that um with that I don't up-ness. I don't want this to end. I <laughs> I really don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna set that there. All right, now I think it's time to uh, move on to the second beer that we have here. Uh, you can go ahead and keep nursing the other one, but uh, I'm going to pop this can open. Here we have Ever Kings. It's a New England IPA, which is kind of neat to see, you know, that style that we kind of really truly associate with American craft breweries uh, coming from Brazil. I love the name of this beer, first of all. It sounds like it would have been a late 90s band that just had like one hit for 15 seconds and <laughs> and that's it and they faded out and then they kept making albums for some reason but you know nobody really bought them and now they show up on spotify like it's a, you know something brand new no way i guess i'm I, maybe i'm a little bit jaded i saw a papa roach ad on itunes a couple <laughs> days ago and i'm like what is this it's are you back. Uh, what is happening i'm sure it's great i'm sure it's fine but it's like uh, the so it's uh, Ever Kings. It's from Cerveceria Ever Brew, and it is an IPA double New England. Uh, it's 8.5 ABV, 80 IBU, and the description says, To celebrate the glory days, the seven kings gathered their best artisans and ordered that the best beer be created to match the best burger. So if you didn't catch it, this this is actually a collaboration between Ever Brew Cerveceria and Seven Kings Burger and Beers. So it's uh, they basically decided to get together and, you know, brew the perfect beer to go with the perfect burger which is pretty cool what's your go-to beer for a burger i know we we've talked kind of briefly about pizza 
and what to pair pair that with. But burgers, that feels tough to me, right? Like, you hopefully, get, it's not tough. Well, okay, yes, overcooked. They overcooked I, it at yeah, that point. All right, all right. No, I meant more like uh, you know, it, maybe you have a truffle burger or a Swiss. You know, see, I'm not that fancy, spicy. Give me, give me a good old burger. You got guac on it. You got like what? I guess it depends on which like which vein of. Um, extra culture you add to your burger if you're okay. gonna go like the guac and like peppers and jalapenos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then probably something lighter um to like just, a mexican lager like a, yeah exactly if, okay. if you're gonna go something more standard you know patty cheese like in and out status maybe a pale ale okay i honestly you i i feel always silly saying this but i don't particularly I'm not, I don't pair. I just grab something that sounds good and I put them together and we just go with it. Like <laughs> I just ordered now, um, there's a Shake Shack that opened up near oh, my house, yes. very, very close to my house, but they have an app where you can order the Shake Shack burger from the app and go pick it up and it'll tell you, you know, it's very you can handy. Get it. I've done that actually. Super handy. But they have a, I believe it's either an ale or a oh, lager. The, the, the Shack Ale? Yes, the yeah, Shack Ale. I believe it's uh, brewed by Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah, yeah, Jinx. They, I, I got to try it. That's that. It's I've never had it. Oh, you have it. I have not had. Oh, it. definitely. So you got to go I, in. I gotta go you got to get. Got to get the your your that, that seems, Shake Shack. That seems your fries. like. I mean, obviously, I watched you know videos with the the folks over at Brooklyn Brewery talking about. Food and beer pairings, um, but I I don't really have a go to for me. It's probably like the, the lighter the better. I don't want it to nothing to be super heavy. It's like I either want something that's like a pale ale that's got at least a a, a nice like smooth bitterness or mm-hmm. maybe something juicy. I like I don't the idea an, I, of a New England yes, for, exactly. for a burger because it would probably complement like I don't know one with guac, right? You could have a mango salsa kind of going on there yeah. or you know okay. flip uh, you know subtle orangey type citrusy flavors. That sounds good. Something to cut that that fat. We you and I used to go to Stout all the time. Over in Santa Monica. Yes. And they they had a ton of different beers on tap. I could never make up my mind, like, which one was going to be the best with the burger that you got. Yeah. Speaking of collaborations, I realized why I was thinking it was like a mid-90s band, late-90s band, Everclear. Yeah. Obviously, mid-90s band. And Citizen King. You remember Better Days by Citizen King? I've I, seen I know the song, but I didn't know the band name. That's that is why I'm thinking. <laughs> You're combining two com- perfect 90s combining bands. Combining those two to, uh, anyway. That's uh. excellent. I like it. All right. Let's get this open and check out uh, check out what Brazil's take on a New England style IPA is. New England IPAs. I like the. I can't see through the haze. <laughs> I can't see through the haze. All right, this pours out like I would expect from a New England style IPA. It looks golden, legit. delicious. Um, Not appley. No, can't see through it. That's for sure. So you got the haze going on. Pours with a really nice, probably about a mm. half an inch ahead there. That smell is great. That's a wonderful smell. Kind of pineapple-y, very juicy smelling. I can't ever really just, dis- I, I feel like like most people are lying when it comes to like, oh, I get this fruit and this fruit. It's mango. It's pineapple. It's citrus. It's We're going to have difficult. to go take a course on this at some I, point. I really, really, really need to because I, I feel like an absolute and I probably sound like an absolute amateur when it comes to this stuff. But, ooh, we should give that a taste. That is exactly what I would expect an Imperial New England to taste like. Yes, it's so lots that of is so good. Lots of tropical fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a lot of pineapple. I get a lot of that like pineapple flavor. I feel validated. Thank you. Yeah, no, completely. And the the um 
the hop bite seems like the the bite from the hop seems to it jumps out almost like it's to me at least and i could be wrong i was like oh okay this is nice this is pineapple and tropical and then just like out of nowhere I'm like oh there's the hops it's kind of a it but it, it builds your mouth mm. in in a way that is um more like they they it wasn't you know dry hopped or it wasn't um like overly bittered to balance all the sweetness that typically comes from an imperial i could see this pairing very well with a burger i'm ready Oh. I'm ready for a burger right now. I would be way our, our better. Lunch, our lunch was way too small. That would be way better than that. Lunch. It would. It would have been way better. Uh, uh, missed opportunities. Next time. Now I have two really good beers, Tim. What do I do? Well, you you either finish one, you go back and forth, or you just get a third glass and put them together. <laughs> <laughs> on the fly, on the fly blending. Honestly, some of the best beers I had last year were considered these a strange mixture of uh hazy double ipas but sour hazy double ipas interesting pure brewing makes some spectacular beers and down in san diego and their beer yeah, something about dragon fruit i can't remember it was so good so 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 good all right so if anybody out there is listening and has actually had the chance to try either of these beers which i'm gonna take a guess is probably not the most likely a big zero but if just you have Zippo. you should let us know what you thought or, again, if you're just listening and want to let us know what you're drinking while listening, you can do so by hitting us up on Twitter, twitter.com slash podcast. We are drinking socially on Instagram. And you can also hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash drinking socially. And linked off of our Facebook page, we have an awesome group there. I set up a Facebook group for us to mm-hmm. all get together. And growing. Chat and, uh, yep, growing every day uh, just to post some behind the scenes uh, just talk to people get some feedback so you know if you're in the mood go ahead and join that and thank you brian for sending these out yes uh, big time huge huge thanks for that let's move on to our style of the week segment and take a look at this week's featured beer style here's tim with more Well, this week, instead of a specific style, I thought it would be cool to dive into the beer history of a specific country. And since we're currently enjoying these beers straight from Brazil, uh, I thought it would be cool to dig into where they came from. Brazil! Do you you ever play Super Street Fighter 2? Oh, yeah, I have. I know exactly when you choose the country. You choose the country that you want to play in, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that now. I can hear it in my head. Blanca. Oh, boy. You're all about the throwbacks today. Ah, you you know. always are. <laughs> I really, I never got my hands on that Super Nintendo Classic, and oh, it's still. Man. I'm kind of reeling from that. Still, you know. Yeah, I, I want one pretty bad, but <laughs> it's all about the beer, right? For at least for right now. For maybe, right maybe now. later yeah, the okay. Super NES can go out. Okay. All right. So I found an article uh, that actually had a really good summary on a blog called Stravaganza. Um, I'll link that in the show notes, but I'm going to just kind of run through what they said because it it really just covered everything quite well. So while Brazil was a colony of Portugal from 1500 until its independence in 1822, the history of beer in Brazil begins in 1634 when Dutch colonizers arrived for the first time carrying provisions of beer. That era lasted only until uh, 1654, leaving Brazil without beer or at least European types of beer, for 150 years. 
that's a long time to go without some good beer. Well, or they, maybe they're brewing their own sort of situation down there. I'd be really curious to know what was, you know, sort of the predecessor to the beer. Because most definitely uh, brewing, a, a brewing and alcohol and things yeah. like that, that has a very long and storied history. It's kind of hard to believe that they would not have been doing something like that prior to, uh, you know, Dutch colonists showing up and stuff. Well, in 1807, England sent armies to defend Portugal against Napoleon, forging close ties between England and the country Portugal. Partially as a result, English merchants established businesses in Brazil and made porters and pale ales available in major cities around the country. It took more than 50 years for the first local artisanal beers, now produced by large waves of German immigrants, to appear. The Germans colonized the southern part of the country, and the first breweries were located in the states of Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, Santa Catarina, and Rio Grande do Sol. However, most of them actually struggled to survive. As a tropical country, Brazil didn't have an ideal climate in which to cultivate good barley and hops. Mm -hmm. Both of these ingredients had to be imported from producing countries, which was particularly difficult and expensive at the time. I mean, as you can imagine, you're shipping, you're not, you're not FedEx overnighting stuff. You're sending it by a sailing vessel. Yeah, yes, yes. And, you know, obviously that, which was the whole impetus of the India Pale Ale, right? And we've, we've gone into that. And even beyond just the fact of the logistics and cost of getting, you know, the ingredients you need, uh, refrigeration wasn't yet available, making the lives of brewers very tough in a country where the uh, temperature easily reaches 104 degrees Fahrenheit. 40 degrees Celsius. I'm still on that Celsius kick. Still still working that? Yeah, I'm, I'm coming up uh, almost a year on that. That's, it's, I'm doing okay. That's impressive. Still haven't converted a single person to it, but <laughs> soon, maybe. Uh, stubborn. Yeah. At these ambient temperatures, contamination by wild yeast and bacteria was hard to stave off, and batches of beer often spoiled before they could reach the market. In 1888, the two major Brazilian breweries, Cerveceria Brahma from Rio de Janeiro and Cerveceria Antarctica from Sao Paulo, were founded. After many years uh, dueling for market share, Brahma actually acquired Antarctica in 1999, becoming a major player in the world beer market. The new company was named Ambev, which later merged with the Belgian beer giant Interbrew to become the second biggest brewery in the world called... Inbev. Inbev. That's... <laughs> stars across the sky the, the more, more you know, know. Yeah. yeah it's pretty good uh, i'm really surprised that i hadn't heard that story before um but it's also you know 1999 uh it wasn't that long ago well which... I, uh, roll the tape back that's 20 years well, okay okay it doesn't 20 years 20, 1980 well, feels like it's 20 years ago still but what's 20 years in the like thousand year history of brewing yeah, okay fair Yes, but when it, it, it when it comes to like the world's one of the world's largest beer conglomerates, and it basically only showing up here in 1999, I think that's just it's really surprising to me. Obviously, at that at that time, I was not in the beer scene. There, it was not even old even, enough. Was not in my purview at all. However, well, just surprising. Well, here's something that's also very interesting: that in 2009, so only in 2009. The Belgian-Brazilian brewery, Ambe or Imbev, they actually managed to acquire the large, largest brewing company in the world, Amheuser-Busch, to create the new company named Amheuser-Busch Imbev. And that's where all of that came from. So I guess it would stand to reason that if they did acquire an even larger beer, they would potentially have four names 
it would it would end up being just basically like a sentence of of the companies they've acquired throughout time. It's starting to look like a lawyer's office. Yes, yes. <laughs> Anheuser Busch, InBev, and Sons, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh man. As of 2010, InBev accounted for more than 68% of the Brazilian beer market, mainly brewing mainstream light lagers such as Skull, Brahma, Antarctica, and others. Okay. Other major breweries in Brazil are Grupo Carriol, which I'm just going to take as butchering it right there, which accounts for 12.3% of the beer market, uh, Cerveceria Petro- Petropolis, uh, which it's... Uh, Itaipava? Itaipava brand. With 9.7% of the market share and FEMSA mainly with its Kaiser brand, which recently sold its beer operation to Heineken with 7.5%. Well, you were looking up the, what, Shinkariol was also sold recently? To Kirin. Right, yes. for, for just over $2 billion. Yeah, something like that. Huge, 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 huge uh, that the beer scene in Brazil... Whether it it has, if you would, been uh, overrun by big beer brands, I'm sure that has led to the growth of smaller beer brands oh, as yes, well. Oh, yes, for sure. Since, since the beginning of the 1990s, with the resurgence of several craft breweries inspired by classic styles created in Europe, a small beer revolution has taken place in Brazil, attracting enthusiastic beer consumers to the world of specialty beers. Hmm. The Brewpubs Dado Beer... Cerveceria Bork, Cerveceria Colorado, Krung Beer, and Alice Beer uh, started their operations during this time, and the Renaissance was underway. I love all those names. They're all very interesting. They first tried brewing light versions of Pilsners like the bigger breweries, but soon found that they just weren't going to get into that niche, which, I mean, makes sense, you know. So in, in 1999, Cerveceria Baden-Baden was founded and introduced new styles into the market, such as a barley wine, an award-winning stout, a German-style Pilsner, and a Bach. And three years later... Cerveceria Eisenbahn was founded, and um, they had a full lineup of German-inspired beers, including a Schwarz beer, a Weizen beer, a Kolsch, and a highly creditable Dunkel, and even a Belgian-inspired beer re-fermented like Champagne. So you can see there's just all kinds of stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I mean, I would say probably the beer that we're having today, uh, the New England style here, is just kind of a credit to the fact that they are trying every style of beer out there. The stuff from the U.S., uh, styles that are popular in Germany, everything. It's just everybody sharing and trying to riff and do new things. I think this particular style, though, the New England, especially if they're fruit forward, kind of lend themselves well to the tropical flavors of that region. That's and a so very good point. You, you kind of get that, that sort of tropical vibe uh, for them. Hmm. True. Uh, there's actually also a place called uh, Blumenau. It's a uh, place that looks, you know, rather like a small German city. It even holds a large, well-attended Munich-style Oktoberfest every year. I read something saying that it was the second largest Oktoberfest in the world. So that's really cool that that's happening down there. Yeah. Uh, Cerveceria Colorado has been particularly creative, adding regional Brazilian ingredients such as uh, hey. Man- Manoic roots. I don't. I don't know what that is. Natural brown sugar. Okay, and local honey uh, to their beers, which probably have an incredible flavor. Like I, I know wildflower honey has kind of got its own thing. Central Valley honey has has you know a certain flavor, but for bees that are on tropical fruits and and you know in in those regions, it's got to 
be spectacular, just something otherworldly. It's for us being able to experience other countries' indigenous ingredients, I think, is very interesting and something that I would love to just kind of be able to go and do and just travel around and try all these beers that are made with things that we just can't get, you know, in L.A. or something like that. Yep, yep. It's pretty cool. Yep. In 2010, virtually every month saw the opening of a new brewery in Brazil, and consumers, journalists, and restaurateurs are starting to understand that Brazil now produces another great drink besides the native cachaça. Okay, so that that must be the drink that existed prior yes. to sort of the it seems that way. beer becoming one of those main sources. Of and alcohol. I know you were just looking it up. What was it again? Cachaça. A distilled spirit made from fermented sugarcane juice. Yeah, also known as pinga. Kaniha and other names, obviously. Uh, distilled alcoholic beverage outside of Brazil. It's used almost exclusively as an ingredient in tropical drinks. So that uh, makes sense. Yes. It absolutely makes absolutely. sense. Uh, the article does say that approximately 100 craft breweries are now running in the country, and it will not be surprising if Brazil eventually gains a reputation as a diverse creative brewing nation. Now, here's the thing. Something that I should note is that this article was written in 2012. Mm. Now, the, it got the history part right, but it didn't get the future beyond that. Um, because just like here in the United States, times have changed and craft beer has continued to grow. And I think as, um, you know, being at Untapped and, you know, seeing kind of the trends in the forefront of the beer industry, we've seen just the massive amount of growth and revolution around the world in the craft beer world. So pulling a little bit of data, according to Untapped, they're actually – 4,385 non-macro breweries throughout the country. So that can be a brew pub or a nano brewery or a craft brewery. Wow. So basically, that's just any any small brewery operation that is not uh, homebrew sure. is in there. That is incredible. 4,300. And to, I guess, put that in perspective, we, I believe, had 7,000 here in the U.S. that opened last year. Is that correct? There was a number we've gone over in the past, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. But either way, uh, Brazil is a really big place. Uh, Huge. But I believe most of the population is concentrated in either the coastal regions or big city big regions. Big cities, obviously. yes. And obviously. They're, still, they're still fighting an uphill battle against big beer there. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's starting to take hold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is, I mean, the two beers that we're having today are obviously, I think, uh, examples very good examples of that. Um, I think in terms of the app as well, we have also spent some time in making sure that the untacked experience is available for native speakers in that country. We want to make sure that that the language that you may have on your device, whether it, it be Brazilian Portuguese or English, that the untapped app actually respects that language selection on your device and displays the app in that language. I think it's hopefully what it does is it's a little bit of craft brewing and craft beer uh, education, as well as, you know, kind of trying to give us a, a little bit of a foothold on a very, very quickly growing industry in that country. So that's kind of, that's my that's my hope. Uh, you know, obviously, we are not native speakers, and so there could be and can be and probably are a lot of things that are not quite right about the phrasing in there. So I would love to hear it. For sure. If you are a listener in Brazil and you are listening to this podcast and you've gone through this this whole episode so far and aren't cringing at all of our pronunciations, first of all, I appreciate you very much. <laughs> Se- second of all, please, 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 if you find if you find something feedback 
at untapped.com. We would appreciate it. Yeah, and if you have any feedback on the podcast, hit us up on any of the social networks we mentioned before because we'd love to hear what you thought and um, if there's anything we missed. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store. Pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast at checkout. You'll get 20% off all orders. Again, that's store.untapped.com. Coupon code podcast to get 20% off. Let's take a look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. Our first article comes from vinepair.com and keeping things a little international, I thought this was actually really cool. How do you say hoppy in Arabic? The brewer creating craft beer culture in Jordan. I'm going to really really hope that you uh that you you read through this article first and do indeed know oh, how to say uh, it. I do Arabic. not and the article actually doesn't even say how to say it. I would that's come on man, come on vinepair.com. That's some clickbait. I know. Right? I need give me a YouTube video. Let me I want to hear a native speaker say it. It makes me feel completely uncultured and obviously so. I mean, having a friend that did a lot of Middle Eastern studies in college, and I believe he actually was um, he was fluent in I'm not sure if it's Arabic or Farsi, but one of those. like I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even think my mouth could move properly to make that. Yes, it's a very difficult language from what I understand. I, I totally, totally get that. Okay, so getting back to the article, starts off here, why do your beers taste like flowers? Most brewers find this sort of question insulting or evidence of some sort of flavor imbalance to their brews. But for Yazin Kardeshe, uh, it sounded like a challenge. It demonstrated the vast divide between what he was brewing and the craft beer culture he needed to build in his home country of Jordan. Kardeshe founded Karakip. <laughs> Thank you, Karakul. Thanks for helping me out with that one. Caracol, the first craft brewery in majority Muslim Jordan in 2013. He was 34 when he did this. Uh, beyond the inaugural bragging rights, Caracol hoped to kickstart craft beer culture in his native land. To do so, he had to tackle financing and regulatory bureaucracy, which I can imagine is probably pretty hefty. Yeah, pretty strict, I would assume. He also found himself creating language for beer in Arabic, searching for willing and able brewers in the country that is 95% Muslim and educating consumers' palates exclusively familiar with imported macro brews. Now, Caracol is extending its distribution across the United States, which is really, really cool. Hmm. But uh, Karadeshe has even, he actually has another lofty goal. He wants to demystify taboos and stereotypes about Middle Eastern people and lifestyles through the power of beer. And we have over 7,500 check-ins to that particular brewery on a tap right now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a lot. They have 37 beers. That's even better. The roots of Caracol go back to a Halliburton oil rig in Colorado where Carice was working in 2006. After three months, he quit the oil rig and found himself in the midst of Colorado's vibrant craft beer scene. He took a job in a homebrew supply store and watched YouTube tutorials about brewing. And then after cleaning kegs and doing manual labor in a couple of microbreweries, he began to explore the idea of opening a craft brewery in Jordan. When he moved back in 2008, however, he discovered a series of barriers – He says here the criteria to start a brewery is you have to be Jordanian, you have to be a Christian, be well off, and you have to have an interest in getting into the beer business. It's basically looking for unicorns. Mm -hmm. 
in that region at least, right? Exactly. And fortunately, um, he was part of the Christian minority and his parents helped pay or helped with the funding. So there was some good, uh, you know, some helpful things there. Mm-hmm. Um, and while grinding through three years of pre-opening paperwork and bureaucracy, he test launched beers in his parents' backyard on a 2.5 barrel system and scouted for potential brewery locations in Jordan's industrial zone. That's pretty good. That, that's That's how you do it. Like most good giant businesses, they started either in a garage or a backyard or a basement. Yep. So it's, that's the way you got to do it. Yep. He actually convinced a property owner he needed space to build a science project for a university that was based on a dairy equipment prototype. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, and it's, I mean, <laughs> it does look very scientific, and obviously there's a lot of science that goes into brewing, so it looks pretty legit, right? If you if you kind of have the veil of secrecy around that, it does look very, very legit. It looks like a science project. Yeah. It, it's just funny, like, the fact that you have to kind of, like, you know, wiggle around and yeah. little white lies to get yeah. things going. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think under – especially with the idea that it could be something that is university-driven, you're like, oh, okay. You know, for the for the learning, for the students, for – okay, I get it. He eventually got the go-ahead to set up Caracol in the town uh, near the capital city of Amman. Uh, and the brewery's name actually riffs off of a wild cat that is prevalent in Jordan called the Caracal. It's got some really cool little things on his ears. Show you me this check, cat. You should check it out. There's a link in there. Okay. Can I check into the cat on Untapped? It's kind of like it's kind of like a weird mini bobcat with uh, fancy ear decorations. Kind of makes you want one until it mauls your face. Uh, I just need to know the weight. Uh, uh, 18 to 29 pounds. Okay. 10 to 13 inches. I have a cat that's about that big. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> the, the little fluffs on their ears look awesome. But this is also going down a rabbit hole it of can, us cat lovers. It, it can leap nine point eight feet in the air to catch birds that are flying by. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> that is an intense cat. Right they there. they have been tamed and used for hunting since the times of ancient Egypt. Wow, that is an incredible statistic. Wow, that's really cool. They grow to be 16 years. And now I'm going down a... a, a well, a, you go ahead and go down your... your my, my cat ra- my cat rabbit hole. Yes, yeah. I'll just mm-hmm. I'll keep going. Okay, that's and, fine. In November 2013, Caracol debuted with a blonde ale characterized by a pop of citrus on the nose, followed by creamier notes of honey and vanilla. In a Jordanian market dominated by the likes of Corona and Heineken, Caracol's signature brew was an anomaly. Uh, locally, the expectation is that beer has to be yellow and fizzy and drunk ice cold. He says dealing with Jordan's distributors was also challenging. Uh, he actually recalls his brand um, being he calls his brand super counterculture, which I mean, that makes sense. And he recalls that uh, he was getting questions by distributors being like, why are they 20 cents more expensive? And why do they taste like flowers? Which I mean, is to make sense when all you're used to are giant <laughs> macro loggers, yeah. basically. Yeah, uh, I, I get it. And he he realized that he needed to create a new beer culture in Jordan to succeed, which is really what he was trying to do there. So, you know, he he started doing distribution in-house and training employees to really push the craft beer advocacy out there um, and was just blazing trails. Um, It's an an educational process, Karadeshe says. uh, You need vocabulary in Arabic to describe beer, whether it's hoppy or saying a craft brewery, which I'm assuming are words that just – 
don't really exist, which is always interesting to run into words that don't exist in other languages that exist here or vice versa. Yes, I, especially the other way around, I think, when it comes to especially the German language, I think, is the the rap it gets where there's a, you know, there's a word for everything, the cold side of the pillow and, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> Uh, Caracol's beers are actually now available in 500 outlets across Jordan, and the Blonde Ale accounts for 70% of the company's sales. What the uh, owner of Caradiche is most proud of, though, is visiting a nearby bar and overhearing Jordanians talk about different styles of beer, debating pale ales against imperial stouts. And he, he loves this whether or not it's his beer, or, or whether it's coming from his brewery or not, as long as they're there and really just talking about beer like that's his goal is to just push the beer culture which is so selfless and amazing i mean obviously that will result in people trying to find things that aren't the macros which would be here's beer but just the fact that you're proud to hear people actually discussing and caring i think that's really cool it it definitely it's it's really i think honorable i guess is the only way to describe it like you said selfless i think that's also good to kind of take up the mantle of beer education and of of culinary education when it comes to different flavors and the flavor profiles for beers that you have never, ever seen in that area before. Following up real quick on the cats. Oh, jeez. Uh, they're notorious for attacking livestock, but rarely attack humans. Oh, okay. So you could... Uh, you could have one as a pet, just don't put it on a farm. You could just share a brew with a caracal. Share a caracal with a caracal. It'd be fine. I think, probably. Let's hope. For, for the most part. This cat is, is, is a beautiful cat. I'm a little disappointed that I don't see a cat on their logo, though. Oh, no, 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 no. It is. It is. It's this cool little, it's like you can see it. It's like the sitting cat with a crown and some wings. I like it. All right. I stand corrected. And keeping things international, our next article comes from Maxim.com, and it is this European country drinks more beer than anywhere else in the world. You want to take a guess? More beer than anywhere else in the world. I'm going to go. Which country? Which country? Let, let's, do, 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 let's do like Norway. Do, do, do. Oh, interesting. Like kind of north, you know, kind of uh, getting a little bit Scandinavian. They got, okay. They're trying to keep warm, high gravity. Okay. I can see that. I'm wrong. You you are, but. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, attention, beer lovers. If you're planning a trip where you can drink endless beer and pay less for it than you would water, your dream destination is the best beer drinking location in the world, Prague in the Czech Republic. I probably was going to get that wrong anyway. Yeah, so. probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. According to a survey from Japanese beer brand Kieran. Hey, Kieran's back. Hey. For the 24th consecutive year, the fine folks in the Czech Republic drink the most beer out of anyone in the world, consuming an average of 143.3 liters of beer per, per person, person okay. every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oof. That's a lot. Plus, according to a separate survey from Deutsche Bank, Prague is the second cheapest place in the world to drink beer where a pint of the golden elixir goes for $1.60. They're only outranked by Manila, which is $1.50. So I guess it'd be a small check. Yeah, it would be a very small check. Yes. CZ in anyway. Uh, anyway, why do Czechs love their beer so much? Um, as Inside Hook, which is another um, publication here, as they explain, the country has a long, with like five O's, okay. history with it, with the good stuff brewing in monasteries all the way back to the 10th century, which, long once again, European history. beer history goes way, 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 way back. So clearly, it's been around a very long time. Lastly, some of the tastiest beer in the world hails from the Czech Republic thanks to the Saz hops grown ah. in Bohemia, which is just one of those classic German noble hops that yep. you see in a lot of really great classic German-style beers. In fact, 
the Czech Republic is so good that a scientific study from the European Research Institute of Brewing and Malting revealed that rats literally prefer it over water and other beers. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's science. Uh, it's science. It's science that yeah. Czech, Czech beer is the best. Yep. That is, that's pretty You can't great. argue that. Nope. Not at all. Rounding out our articles, we're going to come back to the United States here. I just threw this one in there because I thought it was really cute. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't usually cover beer releases, but this is coming to us from thefullpint.com. Hopewell Brewing launches Little Buddy 8-ounce cans. Hey, Hopewell. Our, our friends over at Hopewell. They, they hooked me up with a hat. It was out of stock forever. And then I sent them a tweet and they were like hey your your hat's back in stock oh nice it was really nice good shout out yeah it was a really cool place too if you're ever in the chicago area go check out hopewell awesome and i know you love those brewery hats i do yeah very much so so chicago's hopewell brewing company just launched little buddy which is a super mellow little lager with 4.7 percent abv that is exclusively available in eight ounce cans you got to go look at the picture if you open the link look at the picture it's it's adorable it's like it's like after you crush a 12 ounce can. Do you remember? All right, Roland, I'm going back. I'm digging deep today. Jones soda. They used to be available in bottles. Yes. With your face on it. I get it. But there was a time hmm, 2005 through eight where they were available in these small eight ounce cans. I don't remember they, that. They used to do at Target. They used to do this Halloween series. That would have different monsters' faces on oh, them. Oh, I found them. These are yeah. they would they would sell them as a pack. And anyway, that's what these make me think of. Now the eight ounce cans are the like tall, skinny ones that you get from the Coca Cola company and you know places like that. Uh, I love this form factor. It's kind of like you just you know selected the middle of a can and then just shrunk it. It's good. It is a little buddy. So like little ho little Halloween creatures on the mini cans. Yeah. Uh, the first Chicago brewery to offer eight ounce cutie pies, the Hellas Lager, which we learned about last week, mm -hmm. was made for drinking occasions where you want to try a little bit of everything and remain upright. Little Buddy has immediately found its niche on menus across the city, including applications like Bloody Marybacks and a shot and beer specials. Ah, Perfect. Yes. You don't want a full pint with that. You just no. want something to help mellow it out. This is actually the perfect amount for a michelada as well. Oh. So you could you could go, you know, half with the Colorado, put a little buddy in there. You're good. You're set. Plus, I just I feel I would I would feel bad crushing that can. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, a little longer. It's it does look okay. I love you, Hopewell. But it does kind of look a little bit like baby food. Hmm. It looks like a can of baby food a tiny bit. <laughs> if it had a twist off top. If it on had it, a yeah. twist off top and it said Gerber's on the front, I would not be surprised. But I think that's just, does that just have to do with the form factor? And the sort of like cowboy, you know, little boy's bedroom it's, look that it's got yeah, going as well. Sure. Right? It's pretty, I mean, but it's, it's, I, it's pretty adorable. It, it's, I mean, you don't, I don't know. Describing beer as adorable might not be the best way to describe beer, <laughs> but it's from the standpoint of the, like, again, trying a bunch of beers, yep. not getting sloshed and, you know, just trying to watch it. Like this is, it's really cool to see this sort of small form factor. It's less aluminum. Yes. That it's, too. it's easy drinking uh, <laughs> at 4.7%. I'm on board. I'm a hundred percent on board. I just, I, it is kind of, um, it seems like my mind is playing tricks on me because it's a regular sized can opening at the top. 
Yeah, it's like somebody just literally cut a can in half. In and half, like, and then just when you it. when you put them on top, yeah, it's that's pretty funny. It's a good look. It's a really really good look. Uh, you should check it out though. You should go over to our show notes. They're available at podcast.untap.com. Take a look. Let us know what you think. I I'd love to see folks talking about this over on our uh, Facebook group. It's uh, over at facebook.com/slash drinking socially. Yes, that is. You can find everything there. You can also catch us on Instagram. We are drinking socially. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash untapped podcast. I'm just slowly finishing this this, Still uh, enjoying am, this, it, this Ambar beer. It's very, very good. Thanks again, Brian. Thank uh, you, Brian. We really, really appreciate it. And also for the other beers you sent. Until next week. Cheers. cheers.